Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. So let's welcome tonight's speaker, Rebecca. Hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm a food addict. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, everybody. I'm, um, I'm, this was um, one of those days when you realize at the end of the day it would have been good if you'd stayed in bed all day. Um, I don't usually have days like that, but it just was one of those days when things just didn't quite go, quite go right. And, um, you know, you just keep moving on. And I kept thinking, I come from Hayward. Why did I say I would speak in San Francisco in an area I've never been, that I hate driving in San Francisco, and it's not barnable, and it's dark, and, you know, it's like because when they ask me, I do service. I mean, if I don't have a reason to say no, I say yes. So that's, that's why I'm here. And, of course, can't back out. And then the other day I had a flat tire. And so I, I, mean, I had to get my tire fixed today um, because, you know, anyway, it was one of those days. So um, the reason I'm going into that is because I've never lost my pictures before. However, I have lost my pictures. I didn't lose them. They were supposed to be in the, the same place as they always are, but they weren't. So um, I kind of grabbed some pictures as I came out the door. So you'll just have to put them um, in whatever order you think they need to go in. So obviously this is a young one. This I pass around because if any of what you struggle with higher power, um, this is my higher power. This is my higher power, this woman. She was my, my mother was married twice. This was my grandmother from that marriage. And um, the person beside her is my mother, and that was on their wedding day. They didn't stay married, um, but this woman is my higher power. So if you struggle with higher power, pick your own. Um, so that's the youngest one. And then these are obviously along the way, and some of them have dates, some of them don't. But I've um, been in the program since the end of 97. I, have, I released... Um, 80 pounds by the end of 98, I've kept off about 72 pounds. So for, it'll be 20 years next year. And next year, next week will be 20 years since I've been in the program. Okay, so I'm gonna pass these along. This is right after I'd lost all the weight and, and you can see that um, I have put on a little bit of weight since that point, but I've also put on 20 years. So it's really all okay with me. So I'm just gonna pass these around. Um, so, what brought me into the program? Um, I was one of the very fortunate people that came into this program not having a clue what I was walking into. Not a clue. I came in on New Year's Eve of um, 1997. It had nothing to do with New Year's Eve. It had to do with the fact that I was um, sitting at home um, eating foods that I don't eat. I mean, I don't like them. And it's, you know, it's a Christmas food that nobody likes. And I was eating it. And I thought, man, oh, man, this is not about hunger. And you've got to get out of this house. You've just got to get out of the house. Um, I was pretty much done with diets at that point because I'd gone up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And um, I was afraid to go on another diet because I couldn't afford to keep gaining the weight um, back plus more. And I had joined Weight Watchers so many times, I paid their rent for many, many years, started when it was $2 a week and uh, ended when it was 11. Um, and I would buy those coupon books 
And then, you know, I'd stop going and I'd find the coupon book and I'd say, well, you got to go back. I'm really tight with money. And so you got to go back and use up these coupons. And I'd go and I'd think, this is just the place I need to be. And then I would go and I would just, you know, eat everything that wasn't tied down. And because if I wasn't perfect in that program, I couldn't, I just wasn't, I think I wasn't worth doing it or something. Um, I have been heavy all of my life. I think I was a fairly normal weight little kid, but, um, you know, things happen in life. I told you my mother was married. She was married three different times, and I'm one of these people that goes with the flow. I think if she'd been married seven times, it would have been, you know, she's father number seven. You know, they were all good guys. I mean, I don't know about the first one, but he was kind of a jerk. I never knew him, but just from, you know. But the other two were really, really good people, and um, my mother, you know, picked nice people. So I just would have gone with the flow, but fortunately, number three worked, and they were married for 40-something years. And um, But I think that my way of dealing with it, um, I didn't, I think it wasn't safe for me to feel anger, and I think that there was a period in my mom's life where she had to go away for, and I think it was maybe during the divorce from the first husband, that she had to leave my brother and me with my grandparents. And um, we were probably, I was probably four or five. And uh, my grandparents were not children people. They were not, they had, my grandmother had white carpets, white wall-to-wall -wall carpets. Um, my grandfather had a bright red one in his study. I guess that was his defiance, but, um, but they loved us. But I have no doubt that my mother said as she left, you be very good, be very good. And I was, I was really good. And I think that what's left from that is or else, you know, or else what? Or else will somebody else leave me? And um, I asked her a lot of years later, I mean, you know, 40, 50 years later, how long did you go away for? And she said, you know, I can't really remember. It wasn't very long. It was probably, I don't know, three or four months. Well, when you're four years old, three or four months is a very, very long time, I think. Um, and there's really no end in sight. And then I asked my grandmother how long. And she said, I don't know. I think it was, you know, it wasn't all that long. It was probably six or eight months. And so when you're four, again, it's... It, what does that mean? And what does it mean if I'm not very, very good? And then what happens? So um, I think I use the tool of eating to make me feel safer. I also got praised for finishing all of my food. My grandmother was an army nurse in the, in the war, and I had a, a saying that I made up, which was eat it and like it and don't complain. And when I cleaned my plate, that was a very good thing. And so I think I got a lot of rewards for that kind of thing. And I did not make waves. I did not make waves. So um, I think all of that kind of rolls into <coughs> some kind of... You've, I've got to soothe myself some way. And for me, it was food. So um, I continued that sort of all through my teen years. And um, it, was a hard, it was hard when I was a little kid. I mean, it was very short, and um, I was called germ at school. And I was very round. And years and years later, I saw the class picture from, you know, whatever, first, second, or third grade. And, and I loved those, you know, those half of the petticoats. So there was this gigantic, tiny little girl at the end with her big petticoat. And, and I went, who is, oh my god, that's me. Um, 
so I, I don't think I ever really thought, I thought my problem with food was I liked it more than other people. And um, there was something in the, I'm going to eat it all. I, I'm going to make sure I get my part of it. And I don't remember ever being particularly restricted, but I can remember um, probably like 12 years old, us having some kind of a meat for dinner, and which we didn't always have. We didn't have a lot of money. And my just eating as much as I could get, just eating it and being afraid that I wasn't going to get to have, you know, more. Um, and later on getting sick to my stomach and my mother just being appalled at the amount of meat that came out of my stomach. And, and I remember that to the day, this day, how embarrassing that was when she said, oh my God, you know, do you, do you know how much? It's like, oh Jesus, I didn't expect anyone to see it that way. Um, and so um, somewhere around, I think it was before I got married, and I got married very young. Um, I met a, a very nice, charming man who had gorgeous legs, and um, he played soccer. I met him at a soccer game, and he wanted to get married, and I mean, we did date a little bit, but not very long, and then he moved in, and then he wanted to get married, and I was, I was 20, uh, and he really, what he really wanted was his green card. And I'm a pretty easy person to get along with, and I think he saw that. Um, I think he was quite the opportunist. Um, we did get married. It was a secret marriage because, because he wanted it just to be between him and me. And we had a formal date out there, too. But keeping that secret from my mother was a horrible, awful thing to do. I mean, I just felt terrible because she and I had a really close relationship, and so it led to my keeping this awful secret for... Well, until she actually found out, a friend of hers told her. A friend of hers knew about it and told her. Um, but I felt guilty, and I never was able to bring it up all the years of my adulthood, you know, that I felt sorry. And I mean, I, I wanted to make amends, but I was so embarrassed. And so, um, you know, these secrets that we keep, these secrets that we keep that, we, that eat us and eat us and eat us. So sometime around the time I got married, I joined Weight Watchers for the first time. I was very successful whatever that means. Um, I lost weight. I looked good. I got pregnant. There then went, there went that. Um, I think I got married because I didn't think there were any more buses coming along behind me, behind that one. Uh, I think I had no self-esteem. And he was charming and good-looking. And I was short and fat and didn't feel very good about myself. And um, so you would think that the marriage would not last um, 25 years, but the marriage did last 25 years. And clearly it was not a really good marriage, but I was really good at talking myself into believing that everything's, you know, we must, we must be doing okay. Sex was great. I think there was great pheromones, and I mean, if you could have that good of sex, then you must be having a good marriage, right? Um, but, uh, but it was not, and he, he didn't, he, at any rate, we ended up getting divorced, um, and in the process of getting divorced, so I, I did Weight Watchers on and off all through this, and very rarely would I actually pay for a program, but I did pay for Optifast, which was pretty amazing. I didn't do the, the weigh-in pays or the eaten ones, the ones where they buy the food, because I just knew I couldn't, 
I couldn't keep buying their food. I, that was not realistic for me. And I was also realistic to know that Weight Watchers basically had a fairly healthy food plan. Um, but as I say, if something fell off that food scale and I picked it up and ate it, in my mind, I was, you know, that was it, man. I was off and running. So when I got um, divorced, I did lose a fair amount of weight. I went on a, um, a no-fat diet, and that was great. And then, of course, you have all the stuff that goes on with divorces, so the weight just kind of came off. And then I, re then I found out that on a no-fat diet, you can gain weight really, really fast because there's lots of wonderful things with no fat that you can eat many of. And um, so I think I gained 30 pounds in 30, in 30 days or something. Uh, with the OptiFast, I lost 30 pounds in a month and, and then promptly gained back 30 pounds plus more. And, um, and you guys know all these stories. You know these stories. And I'm a food addict. I'm a food addict. But I didn't know anything about food addiction. I just didn't know. So I went to um, a divorce recovery program that was through the Catholic Church. It was, it's not through the Catholic Church, but a nun started this program. It was called Newly Alone. And I was looking for some kind of a support group. And so when I found that it was sort of connected with the Catholic Church, I went, mm. I don't think I can do that. I have n just formal religions, just I just see too many things of people saying but not doing. And so I just can't connect with that. But then I thought, well, go and take what you need. You need a support group, go to the support group. So I went, and it actually was a really, really good thing. We met every, every Sunday night for eight weeks, and I had a place to go. I had people that I could talk to. It was peer guidance and a wonderful support group. The, the week that we talked about God, I just sort of let it come in and you know, go in and go out. And then um, it, that was wonderful. And then I went on with my life, and it was really, really good. And then two years passed, and um, I'd been divorced now for several years, well, 97, well, a couple of years, and really felt like I'd made good progress. And um, something happened with my ex-husband that just, really, really upset me, and I felt like I was back at square one and very angry. And um, I met somebody at the farmer's market, and she said, have you gone to um, um, starting over with a beginning experience, which was a retreat weekend that followed this newly alone thing. And it was for when you got over the initial anger and the initial grief and all of this and we're ready to move on. And I said, no, nah, you know, but you know, it's held at a Catholic retreat center and it's Catholic and I'm not interested. And she said, I really think you ought to go. And so she, I saw her another, in the couple of weeks after that at the farmer's market, she said, so did you sign up? And I went, hmm, not, not for me. So she said, I really think you ought to go. So I signed up, I figured I went into this newly alone thing without knowing anything and I just sort of opened myself is that five that's 15 okay and I just sort of opened myself up to whatever would happen and um, the very first thing is that night something we had a meeting and we were able to um, we talked about what about anger and what I if that, if that was all I gotten out of that weekend it would have been a gift because what I found out was I was angry at my ex-husband, but the issue was really between my ex-husband and my kids. 
So I could be angry if I wanted, but it really wasn't my, ang it wasn't my issue. It was something for them to deal with. So that helped a whole lot. The next night we dealt with guilt. And um, I had this issue about guilt and it had to do with living, with staying with my husband for as long as I did because he was pretty abusive to my middle daughter. Um, it was psychological abuse. There was some grabbing and stuff. But I sort of, I think, I don't know if it was the three marriages that my mom had, whatever it was, I was focused on the, you gotta stick by your partner and you gotta present a united front. And I didn't see the abuse as abuse. But if I had looked in your window and I'd seen it going on, I would have known it. And I would have stopped it. But I didn't see it. And so what had happened one day in my house was, I was it, my daughter was 15 and um, I had a younger son and an older daughter from that. And I was just standing there in the sun in the kitchen and there was a voice saying, you are living with someone who is abusing your children. And I thought I was going to throw up. I felt like somebody had taken a brick and hit me in the head. And I thought I was going to throw up right there on the kitchen floor. And so when my daughter came home and she was on the phone and my, ex, my now ex-husband came in and his thing was to just say, get off the phone. There'd be no reason, but just get off the phone. And unless she hung up immediately, he would grab her. And he did that. And I just said, you take your hands off of her and don't ever, ever put them on her again. Not ever. And he looked at me, and I said, I mean it now. Take him off. And I thought, that man is going to divorce me. And that was when I'm sure he decided that he was leaving. But it was four years later when he left. But that voice that came in, I mean, it was a voice, you guys. It was a voice. So um, at any rate, we had four more years. And then I'm going to this newly alone, they're this uh, be beginning experience thing, and we're doing guilt. And that was my big guilt, was staying in this family with this man who was abusing my kids, and I had my, that one in particular. And I couldn't even speak of it. I was so, I mean, I had done everything I could. I had prayed. I had, you know, talked to counselors as much as I could because I would cry. Um, I talked to my kids, you know, everything. I taught Lamaze. I talked about... You know, if you don't have, if you don't, if you don't agree with what your partner is doing with your child, you've got to talk about it because there's only you can protect your children, only you. I mean, I didn't talk about my situation, but I mentioned that nothing, nothing, nothing. So we talked about guilt, and I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even talk in this group. Well, then the idea was you would write it on a piece of paper, and then you would go and you'd burn it, and it'd go up. I'm right, right, hocus pocus, and then we went into the chapel, and the people were able to go up and talk to a priest um, and like confession or they, had the, or they had some lay ministers and remember I don't believe in formalized religion and this going up there and saying 19 Hail Marys didn't mean a thing to me. Um, and then they had these lay people that were just on kneelers and they were to represent a woman, a man and the church in your life. And you could go up and telepathically communicate with these people. So I sat there for however long it was. It may have been a half an hour. It may have been longer. I don't know. Um, just angry. is Just angry, pissed off, flashing neon purple heathen on my forehead. All these Catholics going up there and getting forgiven. You know, I just was angry as could be. And so I finally thought, oh, what the hell. 
And I just got up and I went to the person that was the female that was kneeling. And I just, I just said it from the bottom of my heart, I can't do this. I cannot do this alone. This guilt is going to kill me. It will kill me. Someone has got to help me. I can't do it. And it was like someone took a, bowl, a bag of boulders off my back. And I sat down a different person. And I hadn't a clue what had happened. But I was a different person. Without a doubt. The next day I was able to talk about the whole experience. I was able to write about it. There were no tears. I've got five more, right? If I, okay. And, and I couldn't tell you for anything what had happened. Um, and that was in October of 97. At that meeting, at that retreat, about two weeks later, somebody called me and said, um, you know, we got along pretty well at the retreat. You know, how about if we get together and, you know, go out to dinner or something? And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. So we went out and she said, I'm going to eat everything that's nailed down because tomorrow I'm starting a program. Oh, diet. Good. I'm ready. What is it called? Oh, it's OA. And I said, oh, yeah, well, it's okay. I said, I, you know, I, over the years I'd gone to two or three OA meetings and I just had not found what I needed and I didn't know what I was looking for. But what I saw was a lot of heavy women sitting around talking about their problems. And there was nothing there that grabbed me. So I never continued with any of those meetings. I mean, I think I went to one one year and one another year and maybe another one. And so I said, nah. So she said, no, this is different. She said, you know, she said, actually, I belong to How, which we have a food plan. But she said, it's like walking, having a, a tiger in your life and taking it out and walking it three times a day and putting it back. And she said, it's different. So I went, so she gave me a list. I said, I'm, you know, I'm really not interested. She gave me a list of meetings, and I stuck it under a stack of, you know, crap in the kitchen. And then this New Year's Eve, when I could not stop eating, I thought, where do you go? It's New Year's Eve. I don't have any plans. Where am I going? And I thought, AA has meetings on New Year's Eve. I wonder if this group has meetings on New Year's Eve. So I pulled, I found the list. And there was a Wednesday night meeting, and I called the contact person, and I said, is there a meeting tonight? And she said, is it Wednesday? And I said, yeah, but it's New Year's Eve. And she said, is it Wednesday? <laughs> and I said, yeah it's, when yeah, it's Wednesday. Well, then we're having a meeting. Okay. So she says, you know, come to. So I went to the meeting. And I went there to have a place to put my butt so I would not eat. That's what I went there for. I didn't go there for a diet. I didn't go there to do anything other than find a safe place where I could not eat for an hour. And I think that because I went in without that expectation, I was open to hearing, and I'm powerless over this substance. And I went, Jesus Christ, I'm an addict. I am an addict. And then it was, and I'm power, and, and, I, and there's a power greater than myself. And I thought, I don't know what the hell happened to me last October, but something took that away. And I can turn my will and my life over to that power. And I said, that's what I did with the guilt. That is what I did with the guilt. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. But I had to get to the point where I knew it was going to kill me. I knew it was going to kill me. And I was willing to do anything. And they said, if, you're, if you want what we have, do what we do. And, somebody st and I realized that, that room was full of recovery. And that was what hadn't, I hadn't seen in those, those particular meetings. This is nothing about how and OA or any of that. 
It was what I had not seen in the other meetings that I'd attended. I didn't know anything about recovery or addiction in terms of food. And I realized as long as I say, as long as I believe I am an addict, there's a power greater than myself and I can turn that over to my higher power, I'm going to be okay. So it's been 20 years. It's not that it's been perfect. It has been imperfect. Um, I have been absent almost the entire 20 years. I've had a couple of relapses, and some of those relapses were two or three days on, uh, along. But I will tell you, I've learned from every single one of them. They were all gifts from my higher power. And these last ones that I had, uh, my abstinence goes back to a year ago, last, a year ago September. Um, the last two have been wicked in terms of progression. And I don't dare go out there. I don't dare go out there because I'm doing things that I would never, ever have done before. And I'm just so, so grateful to be in this program. It has saved my life. It saves my sanity. It saves everyone else's sanity around me because I'm not a nice person if I'm not on this program. So thank you for letting me share. And you see my higher power, so choose your own. And thank you very much. Happy New Year.